Welcome to Modeling the Movies, where we discuss and examine the character of the characters and the morals behind the message. Join us as we explore how to apply these principles to our daily lives. Now here are your hosts, Matt and Matt. Check one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two. One, two, one, two. Perfect. Testing one, two, one, two. Here we go. Today's movie that we are discussing is the 2003 smash hit The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. Matt, how many times have you seen that? I've seen it probably 10 times. So I just looked it up. It came back. It came out back in 2003. I was living in, uh, where was it at the time? Albuquerque, New Mexico. We had been there for about six months. My dad, my brother and I, we took a, we took a break. We went to the movies and we didn't even know that it was playing. I think we just walked in and saw there was a Tom Cruise movie and my mind was blown. It was my favorite big epic movie I had ever seen at that point. And this was right around the time I think Lord of the Rings was coming out. And in my mind, this was an epic that was on par with Lord of the Rings. Really? I, I just loved it. It's an amazing movie to watch at home. It's fun to watch on your iPad. But it's a movie to be experienced for the first time in, in a theater. The sound was just incredible. Ten times. I just saw it the first time with you, Matt, uh, a couple months ago. It's it's tough when you invite someone to watch one of your favorite movies because you want to have all those aha moments that you had the first time you watched it. But so much of that comes from where you're at in life when you see a movie, you know, that is true. what it meant to you at that moment. But I'm sorry I couldn't swing those, those <laughs> moments for you. <laughs> Before discussing this movie, Matt, um, I was noticing some facts about this movie. Um, okay. It's pretty interesting. Uh, do you know Tom Cruise spent about two years preparing for this role, learning the samurai fighting in Japanese language? I'm not surprised um, when you're that rich and you have that much free time, you can invest in that type of thing. But he's a particularly dedicated actor. Um, he's probably like bizarrely laser focused to a point that would be like unhealthy to be around, <laughs> but an amazing actor to watch. And we get the benefit of his neurosis. So That's true. Yeah, he he definitely goes deep on all his... His roles, I, I understand that he did all the flying and he insisted all the actors do all the flying for the, the Maverick Top Gun that came out. So every single scene you see in that movie was actually performed in a real airplane by himself or one of the other actors. He would not allow any CGI whatsoever. Really? Yeah. Hmm. That's awesome. And the movie was filmed in New Zealand, which I just learned, and not in Japan. New looks Zealand. Like, yeah. So it looks like Tom Cruise was almost beheaded in this movie. Yeah. She's Louise. Can you believe that? Can you imagine if he didn't spend two years preparing for this role? <laughs> it would have been his last role. He would have sliced his hand off. Or so Tom was amazing in this movie, but my favorite character was absolutely uh, Kazumoto, played by Ken Watatabi. And it looks like I read here it was his first American-made movie. It was the first time he spoke English in a movie. Mm. No wonder he was so convincing with his <laughs> stuttered English. So. I liked it, though. Yeah, I liked his, the, the voice to back it up, too. Can you do that? You have told me your name. I have told you mine. It has been a good conversation. <laughs> Why do we need Cosmo? Ken Wananabe. Ken Wanatabi. <laughs> Watanabe, Wanatabi. Well, next would be you, Matt. Um, 
So on every May 26th, the last Samurai diehard fans, which sounds like you, Matt. I am. Watch this movie um, since the battle. The last battle took place on May 26th. So every year. I didn't know that. I probably have watched it on May 26th just because of how often I watched it, but it wasn't intentional. I'll make it intentional, though. I can't wait until my sons are old enough. I've got two nine-year-olds. That their mother will let them watch this movie with me because, you know, it's pretty intense. Yeah, it is. Oh, by the way, it's rated R, right? Um, For ridiculously good. <laughs> but I don't think there's any gratuitous language in this movie. There certainly isn't any sexuality or anything like that. Mm. It's just subject matter, content, and violence, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, it's a really good movie to learn off of. We'll get into that in a moment. Um, okay, moving on to our questionnaire on today's movie, The Last Samurai. Um, it came out November 20th, 2003. Uh, box office... Um, Budget $140 million back then. It's a big budget. Yeah. yeah. Titanic was the first, I think, first $100 million back in 97. Box office, 456 I wonder what it made globally. I believe this is, uh, that is domestic and, yeah, um, international. So Warner Brothers, directed by Edward Zwick, starring Tom Cruise, Timothy Spall, Ken, I don't want to say wannabe. Watanabe, right? Watanabe. Watanabe. Ken Watanabe. Watanabe. <laughs> Kenneth Wanatelatubby. <laughs> Billy Connolly. I love Billy Connolly. He's good in everything he yeah, does. Yeah, he's a comedian. Yeah, but he's just awesome. He just owns every role he's in. He's he's totally believable. Passionate about it. Yeah, I love him. Uh, Tony Goldwyn. He was on uh, Ghost. Oh, the unlikable guy. Yes. yes. You liked him at first. You like to not like him. He's one of those guys that you love hating when you see him come on the screen. And there has to be a quality about their face that you just want to punch, and he's got it. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to steal uh, his friend's girlfriend or wife. <laughs> no, they didn't get married. That's right. I wasn't born yet, Adam. I don't know. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Hiroki Sanada. Is the other uh, starring um, actor. And then uh, Koyuki. 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 A disclaimer. Um, we did study a little bit about the uh, some of these Japanese pronunciations. pronunciations. Mm -hmm. um, so bear with us. Give it, Show us some grace. Now, if I speak um, straight Japanese, my pronunciation is flawless. It's just that when I speak in my English, you know, language, then I struggle. You know, you have the same thing. Well, maybe we should just do this in Japanese. Okay. Deal. <laughs> so here's a rundown. You could probably tell me better than this. Mm -hmm. You want to do the rundown? Yep. Tom Cruise um, plays an American military advisor, and he takes the job. Well, let's, I guess we have to kind of start from the beginning. I guess when they find him, he is hawking rifles, right? He's kind of doing a circus act. He is a raging alcoholic, unhappy with himself, unhappy with life. And honestly, he just looks like a guy who's trying to find a, a, a good way to die, right? <laughs> so um, his friend comes and finds him, says he found a, a job that's fitting for a soldier like him. And uh, they make the, the journey together to Japan. He's made an offer to go after um, the last remnant of samurai, mm. which the modern Japanese government, with their very young emperor, believes is now holding the Japanese people back from westernizing their world. And Japan's uh, 
emperor and their government and wanting to move forward with all things Western. They're in love with it. The samurai who have been defending their country for thousands of years believe this is an, an invasion. It's an invasion of, of Western cultures, invasion of Americans, it's invasion of, of everything they hold dear. And so in service to their country, they try and prevent the railroads. They try and prevent the industry, the, the clothes change, the culture, the hair, the language. And so there becomes this uh, war for the hearts of Japan, not just, you know, for the powers that be, but you've got the, what really amounts to the, the military of Japan, which are their samurai, and then the governing body who are at war with each other. And caught in the middle are the hearts of the people. As, you know, time passes and technology grows, inevitably every new generation wants to be less and less like the previous one. Mm -hmm. But there are some things in their culture that that they don't believe just to be part of um, their culture, but part of their soul as a country. And that's what um, Katsumoto's character is defending. And so Tom Cruise finds himself thrust into that world. He's there for a paycheck. He's there to do the only thing he knows how to do, which is kill an enemy. And um, his character is as unhappy and miserable as somebody you might imagine who's lived that life. And his character's coming, uh, trying to bury and hide how he feels about himself and all the things that he did in his own civil war. Um, he had spent, you know, several gratuitous years, according to the flashbacks of the plot, you know, murdering Native Americans um, for the U.S. Army. He's tormented by what he has done, and um, and that's kind of what he finds himself thrust into. So that's where it kind of takes off. Are you sure you saw this ten times? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take over? The, you want to take over the podcast? Shoot. <laughs> Um, that was well said, Matt. Thank you so much. Um, for our listeners out there, I, like I said, he's seen it. Matt's seen it 10 times. I think more, um, but I've seen it once. I did not say how many times I have pretended that I wasn't the character. I've done that for many years. Oh yeah. So if we're counting role playing, it's, you know, been pretty consistent, but you're definitely a wanna hobby. <laughs> Uh, okay, so very good. That is really good movie. Awesome. I loved it. Uh, like again, I'm not going to spew a whole lot on this podcast about this movie because I only saw it once. I'm going to lean on your your uh, ex experience and expertise on this movie, Matt, uh, for our listeners. So, what did let me ask you this? Based on the fact that you've seen it once, based purely on a how the movie was shot, the entertainment value. The cinematography, the the costumes, the music. What did you think the entertainment value of this movie was? Let's say one one to five stars. How would you rate it? Well, I have to back up here, Matt. It's recommendability. Okay. Well, comparing to my my all time favorite movie was Conan the Destroyer. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> it did two stars. Um, Is it um, Arnold? It's Arnold. Yeah, he, he was good on it. I watched him when I was a kid. Um, anyway, to answer your question, I thought it was great. I do love the cinematography in it, uh, the plot, um, the action. This definitely a, a dude movie. Great movie with the guys. Uh, I had a great time watching it with you, Matt. Uh, we discussed it. I learned a lot from it. I need to see it again. Mm-hmm. I think when you see more movies, uh, a movie more than once, you'll get more out of it. Yep. Things you missed, like, oh, I didn't know that. Or, you know, you'll, you'll get to know the, the characters more. A movie this big and a movie on this scale is like looking at a painting. The longer and longer you look at it, you admire the brushstrokes, color, 
you know, but you have to look at it for a long time. It's definitely a Van Gogh. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh, so our first question, Matt, what did we get out of this movie? You want to go first? <laughs> Adam? That could be as long as yours. What did you get out of this movie? I got a lot out of it. <laughs> what I got out of it being the first time... Um, there's a lot of things that I actually learned for myself how to be a better person, you know, from Tom Cruise's character, uh, Nathan, to uh, Katsunobu? Katsun Katsumoto. 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 Ah. And his leadership, you know, and here's Tom Cruise that just, like you said, he just, he was an alcoholic, right? Mm. And he just got this one job. He wanted to train these people, these peasants on how to fight the samurai army, mm -hmm. right, for the, the emperor. Yep. Um, a lot of historical stuff that I learned from uh, Japan, the Japanese style, even the samurais. You know, when I was a kid, I, I have samurai swords, and that's all I know about samurais. Mm -hmm. I just love, I, I like them. They're awesome. Yeah. But this movie explains more about the samurai, and actually, do you know what that means? Uh, the true meaning of the samurai is one who serves and adhered to the power of love. Hmm. I didn't know that. Um, what stems for me is um, Ken Watanabe, mm -hmm. <laughs> Katsumuro, uh, his leadership. Yeah. Okay. And how he takes in Nathan. He could have killed him. And this is what I got out of it. But he just, I don't know, he had compassion for the guy. You might be able to tap on that reason why but um i mean what'd you get out of it i was <clears throat> i had just turned 23 years old i was wasting my time and wasting my life here we Re go the reason i was in albuquerque <laughs> is my dad my brother and i and my mother actually too um we had worked so long in the industry we had been in that we had taken a break and we decided to waste two years of our life it was fun at first but i was playing professional texas hold'em and i had done that for about a year and a half in colorado we moved um, to New Mexico for the sole purpose of playing a higher limit because the casinos there had a higher limit. And so in all my wisdom, my 26-year-old uh, brother and I was 23, we moved there so we could up the limit. And we were doing well. Like, we were winning. And it's tough to be a winning poker player. Um, there's a lot of monotony. There's a lot of long hours. It was very common, Adam, for us to be at the table for 14 to 18 hours just playing poker. Wow. We're talking. We're talking seven days a week. And when you're kind of perfecting any craft like that, um, there's a obviously monotony that goes into it. But as you get into the nuance of the game, there's the game within the game. All these little battles when you're playing mm -hmm. professional poker. Mm -hmm. However, um, as a believer, I remember I'd always, I'd always bring my Bible with me to the poker room. And I would read between hands. And I think it helped keep my heart soft, but it constantly pricked my heart and convicted me about where I was and what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I was careful. Um, we, we didn't go places that served alcohol. We went to smoke-free places. I always tried to enforce the uh, no-language laws. And I was, trying to, I was trying to Christianize this professional poker so that I could justify it in my own mind. But after two years of sitting idle, um, I was really deeply bothered by how much of my young, early 20s I had wasted. It was, was I making money? Sure. But it was the epitome of pointlessness. It was the epitome of doing nothing with your life. Sounds like a lot of us. Yeah. And I remember reading Psalm 1-1 at that poker table and it said, do not sit in a circle of fools. <laughs> and I just froze. And I looked up at that poker table as a circle. 
and I wanted to pretend like everyone was a fool there except me, but, but I knew I was included. And it was right towards the end of our poker playing career that we decided to take a break and go to the movies. And this movie spoke to me because I had sat idly for two years. And like most young men, I was looking for inspiration. I was looking for purpose. And this sprawling epic comes, lands in my lap. And um, I loved identifying with a couple of the characters. And I loved hoping to identify one day with some of them. Katsumoto's character to me was everything that a man should be. Loved his family, loved his people, loved his village. He had everything to live for um, because he was willing to die for what he believed in. Love that, yeah. And there was nothing in my life that I was doing at that moment outside of my family and providing for them that I could say, this is worth fighting for. But man, I watched this guy, the admiration that his people had for him, the admiration that his enemies had for him. And um, you had mentioned earlier that um, Nathan Aubrey, uh, the character portrayed by Tom Cruise, he was there to train these peasant soldiers to fight against these mythological <laughs> people who were the samurai. The be- closest I could come to it as a comparative to that would be if, you know, we told our kids, hey, we're going to go fight against the Avengers, right? Or, you know, when we were kids, hey, we have to go fight against, you know, um, all these Greek heroes from mythology. In your mind, they're not just men. They represent this mythology of warriors. These were your heroes, And in Japanese culture back then, back in 1876, when the movie was formed, of course, they had an oral culture back then. And, um, you know, you hear these stories of the samurai, not for hundreds of years, because America's a new country, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking thousands of years, one of the oldest cultures in the world. Mm -hmm. And they had had one hero, the samurai. And this is who they're supposed to train. I mean, they must have been completely conflicted and torn just to go to war against their heroes, much less the fear they must have faced, right? And I love the humanity of Katsumoto's character, how um, he took his prisoner captive to learn from him. And his first conversation, his interaction with Tom Cruise's character, he said, what do you want with me? And he's screaming at Katsumoto, what do you want with me? Why have you left me alive? And I love, he just says simply, to know my enemy. That's all he says to him, to know my enemy. And there's just so much wisdom in the way his character was written. Why, I wonder why he chose uh, Tom Cruise. And- well, if you remember in the beginning of the movie, um, he was awoken one night with a vision of a white lion that was fighting uh, somebody in the, in the woods. Mm. And then when he saw Tom Cruise's character, um, he, had, you know, he was close to death. He had been knocked off his horse. And he was making war with a spear that had a flag on it of a white lion. And he was fighting half a dozen samurai in a circle. And it reminded him of his dream. And he thought to himself, wait a minute, I was foretold this guy was coming. He must be important. And that's why he prevented his death. So brought him back to his village and just, you know, um, gently ignored him and <laughs> learned from him for six months. So Interesting. But yeah, so what I took from this movie was, um, for me, it was finding some purpose that was worth living for and dying for. But I was just, I was dying to have something to, to live for. <laughs> and uh, this movie really tapped into that part of my heart. And it, it, it rang the bell of my soul and really inspired me. And, you know, it's probably weeks later that my brother and I gave up playing professional poker permanently. Because of this movie? Or do you think it helped? <clears throat> oh, it definitely helped me. It definitely inspired me. I'm uh, absolutely, you could ask my wife, I'm an extremely emotionally inspired person if I read something or I watch something. Mm-hmm. And uh, my kids too, like, you know, we, we go watch movies together and I'm the one that ends up crying, you know? <laughs> so this, uh, this medium uh, is something that touches me pretty quickly. 
But at that age where I was at in life, it was super inspiring. And then, you know, I left, uh, spent a year trying to kind of get our life together. And then about 18 months later, closing on 2005, 2004, 2005, I uh, became a pastoral intern, and that's what I did for the next ten years. Is I <laughs> went straight from playing professional poker to being uh, to working at a church. So, all right, you know, after you're talking about uh, Katsumoto, mm-hmm. Katsumoto, there should be a, a leadership coined Katsumoto style yeah. leadership, right? Yeah. You know, it's he was awesome. He did a great job. He was. He epitomized for me strength and meekness and i think people misunderstand meekness you say meekness to most people and they think weakness yeah you know meekness is power under control and that's what his character was was absolute power under control i know people disagreed with keeping this his enemy alive but you know that's part of being strong his right hand man his other people you know in his village they they definitely didn't appreciate being spied on from within Mm. you know have an enemy living in yeah Wow. But my main takeaway, I guess, outside the fact what it meant to me personally, is uh, The Last Samurai is a movie about redemption. Uh, Nathan Aubrey's character is the one who goes from wretched to redeemed. And then um, he, I think at the end of the movie, um, Ken Watatabi's character looks at Tom Cruise and says, you have regained your honor. Let me regain mine. I think, and, yeah, that was and, towards the end. Yeah, and he, even even uh, Katsumoto's character recognized he had gone full circle, and now he was he had something to live for, and he knew it. He no longer had to bury his misery behind Saki, you know. <laughs> so, wow, redemption is what I took from this movie. Okay, uh, that was great. So, um, so how does this movie impact our life? So you pretty much kind of answered that one too, didn't? You? Yeah. Um, you know, with it, with you, uh, stopping poker and trying to figure out, you, you come to, um, a fork in your, in your road and like, you know, what it, was am I doing? Like, it was more like a spork. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite as clear as a fork. <laughs> I'm speechless. From now on, if we ever use that phrase again, we say a spork in the road. A spork. So if you're listening to this and you hear us say a spork in the road, you know why. Even our podcast is at a spork in the road right now. Yes, it is. So. Just till So how does this movie impact your life? We both covered that. Um, what character did you find most influential and why, Adam? Again, I just love, I think you're with me, um, Katsumoto. Yeah. Um, how he... He taught compassion. I mean, for his enemy, he... Um, there was compassion there. There was there was trust. There's got to be trust. Some level of trust in keeping your enemy alive in your village, yeah. and honor. Um, his leadership. He won the trust of his his village, his people, because he did that. And he and Tom uh, Nathan Algren, Tom Cruise's character, fought along with him. He learned and gleaned from Ken. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Ken wasn't the, if he was a tyrant, and if he was like uh, Ujio, he seemed like he was a little uh, bitter. Yeah, he's a bad, bad man. Um, he, he's like a, a lion that was kept on a on a chain. Yes, you know. I love that fight. Remember that fight? Yeah, where they stick fight in the rain. Yeah, yeah. So he's uh, Nathan is, um, you know, practicing one on one moves with um, 
one of the young boys in the village that he's staying with. And, and then Uji walks up and doesn't appreciate the fact that he's interacting, doesn't appreciate the fact that he's drawing breath, undoubtedly. And uh, he indicates to him that he should drop the sword. Well, Nathan's character being strong-willed and unyielding, um, they face off. How many times was it? How many times did the character Uji knock him? To I think the it was ground? four times. I saw that not too long ago on YouTube. I just had to watch it again. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love all. All my favorite movie scenes are actually in the rain. In the rain. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, intense movie scenes that are filmed in the rain are my favorite. So <clears throat> that was an awesome scene. So if you watch this movie, you'll probably want to watch that scene twice. So that's really good. Yeah, it was good. I know we discussed that part before, and it it it. Uh, I got something out of it, and you got something different out of it. Mm-hmm. I got something out of it was he is he is a solid man. He's tough. What I get from it is uh, adversity. When we face adversity and trials of, in our life, we keep getting up. Uh, Nathan just kept getting up. I mean, he didn't know much. He was not near a skilled samurai uh, warrior to uh, Ujio. Yeah, nowhere. That's like me right now facing a uh, Navy SEAL, <laughs> yeah. you know, and and it's like me keep getting up. If he's knocking me down, I keep getting up. It's either, like you said, go for it. <laughs> Stay down, stupid. Yeah. Right? That was the lesson I took. <laughs> it reminds me of, um, do you remember when Apollo Creed in Rocky Three said, um, it doesn't take a man to stand there and get his head beat in? <laughs> hey, Rock, doesn't take a man to get his head beat in, right? <laughs> Once you've been down three or four or five times, you're weakened. He's not weakened. What do you think is going to happen the next time you get up? So sometimes the best lesson is keep your head down. So yeah, there's that meek, that humbleness. <laughs> yeah, you know sometimes the trials and tribulations that come our way doesn't mean that we have to go that direction. I know I'm supposed to do this direction. No, Tom Cruise's character Nathan at that point was at a spork in the road, okay? Mm -hmm. And he was still punishing himself. He was looking for every possible way to punish himself. And he was just starting to find a little bit of peace. He was right at that teetering point about that movie scene. And uh, right after that scene, you might notice most of the fire and vinegar is out of him and he starts to learn and he starts to be peaceable. But that was kind of like his last hurrah, the last part of his will that was just repeatedly beat out of him. So... I just loved it. Mm-hmm. It's a good scene. So that's the character <clears throat> going back to um, the character influenced Katsumoto. I think, like I said, we need to coin a, um, a Katsumoto mm-hmm. leadership style. Style leadership. Yeah. Yes, that was very Katsumoto of you. Yes. You should be more Katsumoto-ish. There you go. Mm-hmm. I like it. We can adopt that phrase as well. That sounds good. Today is a day of adoption. Katsumoto and the spork. The spork in the road. Spork in the road. And by the way, if you're wanting to uh, get a hold of us, if you have a question, concerns, something you don't like, we're very um, open to any discussion. You can email us at info at champ180.com. And that is, again, info at champ180.com. Yeah. If you have anything insightful or inspiring, please call or email. If you have any criticism, please reach out to Adam. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Number four, what was the main character's flaw? What would you do differently? Two main characters in the movie, um, Nathan and Katsumoto. Uh, Nathan's character flaws are abundantly easy to see, right? Mm. And so it's like scripture says, some men's flaws are clearly evident and others follow after, right? Or their sins follow after. 
um, he was a man filled with sorrow and filled with despair. And because of that, he was on a self-destructive path. And if you were in that path, you would also get run over. And so his flaws were just obvious to see. Um, it was actually his good parts of his character that were a bit hidden until they were mined out. Um, Katsumoto, um, he's interesting. Um, what comes to mind when you think of Katsumoto's weakness in the movie? Did he have one? He let a he let an enemy survive and brought him into his village. That's like me bringing in an enemy to my home that I didn't like. Think about that. Yeah, but but he was applying wisdom from what he had seen. He in was. His vision and I'm just saying. Was the, there a point in the movie? Was there a portion of the plot? Remember, he had to watch his son die, and then he kind of fell into despair about his role at the council with the emperor. During that period, was the shakiest portion when he fell into into doubt and so um <clears throat> the flaw of katsumoto hmm. well, didn't he want to give up didn't he try to he he almost committed harry carry yeah he had been left in a room alone with a sword and he was basically told uh, kill yourself or we'll stand outside and we'll kill you and so of course in his culture it's more honorable to take your own life than to to let your enemy kill you do you believe that no not at all that's just a that's a misunderstanding of the of the value of life. Yeah, I just go out there and take it. Let's do, <laughs> yeah, let's do it, right? <laughs> but um, well, obviously, too, the Japanese can't um, stand. I think they quoted this in the movie: "Cannot stand the shame of a defeat." And so, remember when he cuts the head off of that former general? Mm-hmm. He said it was an honor to a cut off of his head. Remember that scene? And he had ended the life of one of his enemies, who used to be samurai with him, and then he went and fought against him. But, you know, at that point, he knew that the battle was lost. Um, the winter had passed. His village was exposed. His village would be ransacked because of him. Um, he, he recognized that he had no voice in the council and that the young emperor's ears were completely dead to truth. And so he just felt like there's no role for me anymore. I am a relic. It probably is best for me just to stop, you know, pu- pushing against the goads and just to give up. Tom Cruise's character at the height of his uh, revival fights and finds him and restores his belief that it's better to it's better to let your actions speak for you if your voice can no longer be heard. And then during their escape, he has to witness the death of his son who sacrifices himself. And so, um, you know, it's a, I imagine it's a tough thing to, to gather all of your soldiers together and willingly go into a fight you know you can't win. So you saying uh, this is what I get from what you're saying, and from the movie, it's a mixture of the main character's flaw. <clears throat> so Tom Cruise had a flaw in the beginning, mm-hmm. and it improved. Uh, Katamoto had a great in the beginning, and had a flaw at the end. If I had to put my finger, and it's really easy to sit here in your red chair in this awesome studio and to look back in time and point fingers and say, "Oh, this is something I would do different." Because, you know, the character is human, right? Mm -hmm. And you can't imagine what he's going through. Mm -hmm. But the flaw that I thought that I saw in Katsumoto's character, at least from my perspective, is when he was engaging with the emperor. And the emperor looked at him and said, tell me what it is I must do. There was a real moment there where he could have influenced the emperor and spared all those lives by simply saying, hey, look, um, you know, stand up for your people. Enforce the culture that, you know, we've, we've had our entire lives. And if you need to, you know, invest in the Western culture at all, you know, do it slowly. Give him some wisdom. But the one scene that I have trouble watching that I don't like is Katsumoto bows down 
and he says to him that you are a living God and you must find the wisdom for us all. Now, of course, uh, at that time, they viewed the emperor as actually in the embodiment of a deity. And I don't know that Katsumoto's character really thought that, but what he was trying to say to the emperor was, be who you're supposed to be. Yes, I could tell you what to do, but it's your job to know it. Because at the end of the day, what he's saying is you're weak. Mm -hmm. And if you do what I tell you because I'm strong, you're still weak. You might be doing the right thing, but you're still weak. So I understand why he did it. But it's the one portion that's hard for me because I'm like, you could have spared so much suffering, including your own, had you influenced the emperor properly. But sometimes people can't learn until what's most precious to them is taken. And uh, when that happens, the emperor finally stands up to himself, primarily, and then all of the bad influences around him, which is, the I think, one of the best ending lines in any movie. The emperor approaches uh, Nathan... Tom Cruise's character in the movie and says, were you with him at the end? And he says, yes. And he said, tell me how he died. And uh, Nathan looks up and says, I'll tell you how he lived. I thought it was one of the best lines ever to end a movie. That's really cool. Yeah, so it was really, really, really awesome. But that was the only part. And so I mean, I'd have to really, really dig for his dig deep to find a flaw. So I would say this, his character made a mistake, but I can't say that his character had a lot of flaws. No, you know? it's true. It's just humanly. You know, it's being a human. Yeah. Number five, what was the most relatable character in the movie? What about for you? Taka. Because <laughs> you like to bathe in the river too, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least I'm bathing. <laughs> Taka was the wife of the samurai that Tom Cruise's character killed in the opening scene. Yeah. And she was forced to care for the man in her own home that had killed her husband. So That was Taka. Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, I'm I can relate to a lot of these characters. Like, uh, um, how about you tell me who you think is relatable? Maybe I can uh, piggyback off of that. <clears throat> Every character has aspects that are somewhat relatable. I guess there was what one, two, three, four. There's like eight main characters that were in the movie. Mm. Um, if you're asking me who I most relate to, jeez. <laughs> Billy Conley's character, <laughs> Gent, um, I imagine. And, uh, you know, good humor. Yeah. Um, a loyal friend, which has always been something that I have valued highly. You know, I always, back when I was uh, uh, pastoring, I always used to tell the, the staff that I never wanted to be a David. I always enjoyed being a Jonathan. And uh, his character represents a really cool Jonathan. And he was ordered away from the front lines by Nathan so that he wouldn't perish in the first skirmish and engagement. And he refused. He wouldn't leave him. That's awesome. Yeah. And so um, me personally, who I most see myself in, would actually be his character, Billy Conley's character. Short-lived. Dies early. It's <laughs> <which is> a shame. <laughs> who I would most aspire to be would be Nathan's character at the end or mm -hmm. Katsumoto's character early on. Yes. Which really, I, I really find them to be the opposite sides of the same coin by the end of the movie, which is pretty awesome. Do you have a tidbit of a little bit of uh, Ujio's character in you? You think so? Do you? Um, and if so, where? So he was a traditionalist, right? He was hardcore and um, a bit unforgiving. And, you know... If I wanted to push my chest out and say that the only time I can be that way would be in defense of my friends and my family, 
mm-hmm. that I'd be willing to be kind of hardcore and cutthroat. Um, that's in me. But honestly, you have to push and push and push and push to find it. Yeah, because I haven't seen that yet. And, Except uh, on the court. <laughs> yeah, I'm Uji on the basketball court. Yeah, right? you are. <laughs> I'm short and ineffective. <laughs> uh, that's good. I like the answer there. Um, yeah, I think it's a lot of them. I guess I would think uh, Connolly, you know, being humorous, uh, loyal. Some of Katsumoto's uh, leadership. I mean, not. I don't know what I would do in that position. I probably would have killed uh, Nathan because, you know, a lot of us in leadership have a problem with taking it too far and it gets to our head and and it clouds our judgment, mm-hmm. you know, that position of a leadership. But he was wise, you know. Obviously, he's gone through a lot of mistakes. Nathan, you know, he went through that mistake that you were talking about earlier in the very beginning. He... Um, he was kind of bitter towards uh, Colonel Bagley. Yeah, for uh, rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. But I agree. I think that people who have been thrust into the position of leadership, if you're in there long enough, you're going to make your biggest mistakes in leadership. I mean, heck, when you're not a leader, nobody knows about your mistakes hardly, right? But when you're in any form of leadership, um, there's a spotlight on you. There's a spotlight on your decisions, and so um, I think people can get caught up sometimes saying. I'm a leader. What would a leader do? And they try and make decisions that a leader would do rather than make the right decision in the moment because they're so caught up in being a leader that they don't lead properly. You know, they're trying to fit that mold or fit that role. And that's what I love about Katsumoto's character. Against all reason, he makes a decision from the heart. Hmm. And remember, just because things worked out with Nathan, and they could have ended really badly. He could have betrayed them. He could have assassinated them. He could have run off. He could have spied on their position. He could have done a, a number of things had the character not won out. That's power of uh, love and forgiveness and grace. It changes the hearts of many. Mm-hmm. Not all, but obviously it did for uh, Nathan because, like I said, if Katsumoto was a lot like uh, Uji, Ujio, Uji. It'd been a much shorter movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's good. Um, you said something about uh, Katsumoto's uh, leadership. Um you do make your mess, most mistakes. Is that what you said? Yeah. And, in, and as a leader, your mistakes influences and it pours on to other people more so. Yeah. You know, as dads, as leaders of our home, you know, our mistakes mm-hmm. can pour out to our kids and our, our wife. Um, all right. To moving on, I think um, number six, what is the most remembered scene and quotable line? This movie, funnily enough, you'll never hear me compare this movie to Nacho Libre. (laughs) Or Conan. Or Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) But they do share a similar quality, which is almost every line in the movie is quotable. Right? If you've seen it ten or more times. (laughs) Let's see. There's so many great lines from this movie. Um, I think one of my favorites is still the ending. I will tell you how he lives. I love that. line. And... um, I love when Katsumoto was wandering around uh, the garden uh, near his family's uh, village and palace, and he's looking at a cherry blossom on a tree. And he says, you can spend your whole life looking for a perfect blossom, and it would not be a wasted life. And you can take that blossom and apply it to anything that's in your life or your garden, right? And if you're looking for this thing, it wouldn't be 
a wasted life, meaning that if something is simplistic and perfect and beautiful, that in itself, you know, is worth a life. So whatever that thing is in your life, you know, even if you search your whole life for it and you find it, it's not a wasted life. So to anyone listening that's about to watch this movie, if you're looking for the perfect epic and you spend your whole life and you find this movie, it will not be a wasted life. That's hyperbole, of course. You need more for your life. <laughs> what was the flower you said? I think it was a cherry blossom. All right. If you want, yeah, if you want the best cherry blossom <laughs> to pick, Last Samurai. Yep. What was your favorite uh, scene or line in the movie? That, like I said earlier. You need to watch it again? That fighting fighting scene. Oh, yeah. Love it. Are you talk about the one in the village? With Nathan and Uji. Oh, that scene. Yeah. Okay, yeah. My favorite fight scene, and there are so many yeah, are. amazing fights in this movie, but my favorite is when Katsumoto is, um, I think there's having some kind of village celebration about halfway through the movie. Everything's starting to be calm and really peaceable. You know, something big is coming. He hops up on stage and he's being playful with the children and with yes. the actors. And then somebody Jeez. had hired other samurai to come kill him. Yeah. Tom Cruise sounds the alarm. And then I think it's like eight, 10 minutes long. I remember just gasping from exhaustion at the end when I was in the theater. That amazing scene. It's the first time that Tom Cruise and uh, Watanabe fight together. Mm -hmm. And they probably save each other's life two or three times in that one sequence. And that really kind of bonds the trust that they have for one another. And um, yeah, that that was one of the... I'm going to go ahead and say that's one of the top, top five fight scenes ever filmed for me. So that's really, really up there. And of course, my fight scene is, you know, it's uh, it's kind of, there's no real uh, depth to it. You know, it's just Nathan getting his butt kicked and then <laughs> he keeps getting up, you know. Is he stupid or is he smart? Is he exhibiting strength or stupidity? You I know? think both. I think both quite eloquently. Yeah. Because you can learn from that. You can get a lot out of the fight and that's what I liked about it. It's mm -hmm. short. It wasn't so epic like yours, the ones you like, you know. They fight to get tag team together, main characters, but Well Uji, though though I think Tom should have stayed down, Uji learned something about him that day. Which he had he all learned, respect for him. Yeah, he learned how deep his will was. The Americans, the stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you said earlier that it's an honor, dishonor to lose a battle or something like that. You get, yeah, you get their heads cut off. Yeah, in Japanese culture, you you take a, a short knife. I think it's around 8 to 11 inches. And you put it under your sternum. Mm -hmm. And uh, you commit hairy carry. So you kill yourself by by falling on your own sword. They go out like King Saul. You know what? If I want bravery, I would not use a knife. I'd use a spoon. A spork. <laughs> I committed Harry Carey with a spork. <laughs> How long did it take you? Well, we're talking, so I'm still trying. It keeps breaking. I'm about three pounds in, but I keep eating. <laughs> oh, my God. KFC. I know, it's the KFC spork. <laughs> I'll tape five of them together. <laughs> Any additional thoughts, Matt? Because I think you pretty much, uh, yeah. I don't, um, I don't need to see the movie again, man. Just listening to you. Let's go for a long walk in the rain, <laughs> and I will tell you how I feel about this movie. Um, I recommend it in all categories. Um, cinematography, the soundtrack, and uh, mm -hmm. the music to the movie is just beautiful. Um, I don't think there's a single character in the movie that seemed out of place. 
you know, once in a while in a movie like this, they'll cast a big star, they'll miscast somebody, and it just feels like, oh, why are they in the movie? But I believed everyone hmm. in this movie. And um, I appreciate the fact that, well, of course, you know, Tom Cruise's character is still the classic anti-hero in the movie. He was just simply bad in the beginning. And then slowly we watched him have honor again. Um, but the bad guys were bad and the good guys were good. I like the fact that this, there's just a line in the sand in this movie. And you get to enjoy um, both sides. You don't have to struggle the whole time saying, mm, I love the character, but I hate that he did this. They were just good. And the bads were just bad. I see the relate uh, the relation between you and Nathan Elgin. You said he was bad in the beginning. Yeah, uh, Matt, you were describing earlier that your life you didn't like your twenties. You weren't going anywhere. It wasn't a bad necessarily a bad thing, but um, to you it was. So I mean, then, there was meaninglessness. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, for him, you know, he was an alcoholic. You know, he wasn't going anywhere, and all of a sudden, he gets this opportunity. And it propels him, it catapults him into this uh, bigger opportunity to ch actually change his life, learn about this culture, um, learn from uh, the best uh, leader, <laughs> Katsunobo. Kat yeah. We can't have a leadership class based upon a character you can't pronounce. I would fail. Mm -hmm. Anyway, now you're watching this movie, you know, like you said, it uh, propelled you to uh, stop poker, start doing more stuff, you know, and... Look where you are today. You're a businessman, and you have a wonderful family. And so I think that's great. I think that's something to say that you kind of relate to this guy yeah. in some way. Yep, I love it. So two enthusiastic thumbs up. Yes. Five stars. Um, you know what I probably do for my sons when they're old enough? I've done this a half a dozen times in my life. But you, you can, of course, just rent movie theaters and play any movie you want during off times. I think when I introduce my sons to this movie, I'm going to actually rent a theater and, uh, and let them watch it in the big screen. That would be Unless sweet. I have the world's most epic movie room like the one we're sitting in right now. That could be okay, too. Um, I can't compare. Movie theater would be awesome, though. It would be. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Modeling the Movies. I'm Adam. And I'm Matt. We hope you tune in next time as we find the silver lining of the silver screen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Modeling the Movies with Matt and Adam, where we encourage you to not do stupid, but rather to walk with integrity. Until next time, the mics are off.